Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like to discuss from a biblical perspective, maybe things going on in the world that you'd like to get biblical perspective on. If you have any questions like that, I'd love to hear from you and talk with you, but I'd also like to pray with you and and pray for you. If you have a prayer request, this is a great opportunity for you to call in, share your prayer request with us, and then all of those who are listening to the station can agree together as we pray for you um, over the airwaves. So give me a call. The number to call is 303 Six nine zero three thousand. That's three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. That's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. I want to welcome those of you who are listening here in Colorado and up into Southern Wyoming on Grace FM. Welcome to the program. So glad that you're tuning in today. And we also want to welcome those of you listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania. New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Wherever you're tuning in from, we're so glad that you're with us. We're we're glad to see how God has grown this Calvary Live family of stations tuning in to this program and, and getting to be part of this interactive community where we share our questions, where we share our prayer requests, where we get to have a, a direct line to pastors every day. Uh, from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time here on the station. We want to welcome those of you, again, who are listening on these stations, but also those who are listening online. We know there are so many of you who tune in uh, via the website and the mobile app. If you haven't yet taken advantage of that, we want you to know that that's an opportunity for you. So you can tune in anytime over the Internet at gracefm.com, but you can also do it, maybe this is the easier way, is for you to get the Grace FM mobile app and if you get that on your phone or your tablet, it's totally free. Just type in Grace FM in the search bar of your App Store or Google Play Store, and it'll come right up. You can put that on your device, and you can listen to this show and all the other great programs on Grace FM uh, via, via that app anywhere in the world. And so today, it looks like we've had um, people from, I just got a note here, we got people from six continents have tuned in via the app or the live stream. So that means that we still are waiting for our Antarctica listeners to tune in and listen to us uh, as well. So if any of you have friends in Antarctica, maybe share with them the link or the, the app so that they can tune in and listen as well. But six out of seven continents is pretty good. So actually today I got a, I got a map here of how many people are tuning in. We have listeners from three continents tuning in currently. So welcome to those of you who are listening in Europe. We've got listeners in Ukraine and the Netherlands. We've got listeners in uh, South Africa today. And of course, many listeners here in the United States, all the way from the Northwest to the Southwest. We've got people on the East Coast, 
Um, we've got people around Chicago and the Great Lakes. We've got people here in the Rocky Mountain region as well as into Texas and to the Midwest. So wherever you're tuning in from today, we're so glad that you're with us. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Call in and text in with your Bible questions and your prayer requests. We'd love to hear from you and hopefully answer some of those questions you have. And we'd love to pray for you here over the air. So once again, the call-in line is 303-690-3000. And you can text us at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. Just a few words about myself. Uh, my name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We're a Calvary Chapel and Calvary Global Network affiliated church here in this great city, just up the road from Denver and down the way from Boulder. And uh, our church recently moved into a new facility. Several months now. It's it's. And no longer getting to the point where I can say that it's a new facility, but it definitely feels new. It's definitely exciting for us. We waited and worked a long time to get into this location. We're so excited about how God has used it. Just the timing of it was so good. We got in right as the pandemic was starting. And so that allowed us to be able to open up and to have services in person. And so currently on Sunday mornings, we have three in-person services and we have two online services. And so if you're looking for a place to worship the Lord this Sunday, we would love to have you. We, we're all about studying the Word of God and worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. And so we'd love to have you worship with us. Again, the, the in-person services are at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. We currently have a full children's ministry, uh, which, is, which is birth up through um, middle school at our 9.30 a.m. service. We'd love to have you for that. If you have kids who would participate in those classes, we just ask that you register them beforehand, and you can do that at our website, whitefieldschurch.com. And if you are looking maybe for like a maybe a, a more COVID-friendly service, we'd encourage you to come to our 8 a.m. service where we have our, have our building professionally cleaned every Saturday, kind of in anticipation for the services. But that 8 a.m. service is kind of our COVID extra-friendly service, because we like to think that all of our services, and we like to say and, and really endeavor that all of our services would be COVID-friendly. But uh, 8 a.m., then 9.30, and then we also have a service at 11 o'clock in person. We invite you to come out for those. We're currently studying through the book of First and Second Kings. We're almost done with this study we've been doing of First and Second Kings. This Sunday, we get to a really great part in which we're looking at King Hezekiah, who is one of the greatest kings of Judah, the southern kingdom. And, and we're looking, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about this thing that Hezekiah did, where it says that he destroyed the bronze serpent that Moses had created in the wilderness, because in his time, people had begun to worship it. And I think it's a really interesting message for Valentine's Day, particularly, because you know what happens at Valentine's Day is the reason it's such an emotionally charged day, right? In in positive ways and in negative ways is because what we tend to do is that we tend to put expectations on people and things to do things which only God can do, right? To fulfill us in ways that only God can fulfill us to, um, you know, we put these hopes onto people or onto things that really are, are only things that God can do. And I think that that comes to the surface at Valentine's Day. I was just, uh, my daughter, I have a daughter who's four years old and she goes to preschool. And so this, this Sunday, or sorry, this week, she 
went to school and they had the Valentine's Day party. And you know what she took with her, of course, are those, you know, those hard heart-shaped candies that have little phrases written on them for Valentine's Day. But if you've ever read some of those phrases, some of them are pretty intense, right? Like they'll say like, love me forever. Or they'll say, I adore you. Or they'll say my favorite, complete me. And it's like, whoa, that's a lot for a preschooler to be asking of another preschooler to do for them, right? That's, that's a lot even for one adult to ask another adult to do for them. And frankly, it's something that none of us can actually do for each other. I mean, think about those words, complete me, love me forever, I adore you. That, that's the language of worship, isn't it? And so what we're doing is we're putting these cosmic hopes and cosmic expectations onto people and, and to do things that they can never do. Right? It's the same way that the people of Israel were looking to the bronze serpent in the time of Hezekiah to be God for them, but it couldn't be God. It was just a piece of bronze. And Hezekiah calls it that. He says, he calls this Nahushtan, which literally just means piece of bronze. He's essentially telling the people, this thing is not God. It's just a piece of bronze. You're looking to it to be God, but instead you should be looking to God instead. It's such a cool passage because then we read Jesus makes reference to it in John chapter 3 where he says that just as the serpent was lifted up in the time of Moses, so the Son of Man will be lifted up and everyone who looks to him will be saved. So it's an amazing picture of the gospel. Can't wait to share this message and, and preach it. We'd love to have you. Again, I said in-person services, 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11 here at our church, Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. And we also have online services at 9.30 and 11. We live stream our 9.30 and 11 a.m. services. So if you're not within driving distance of Longmont, but you'd like to worship with us, we would love to have you join us online. You can find all the information and the links to watch online on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And so uh, we'd love to have you check that out and um, worship with us. Another thing we just recently did here at our church, we just re, uh, revamped our podcast. So if you guys out there, any of you are podcast listeners and you're looking for a podcast to subscribe to, we'd love to have you subscribe to the Whitefields Church podcast. On there, it's not just our sermons, but we do a weekly um, kind of discussion between me and our worship pastor, Michael Payne, and we discuss a topic related to the sermon topic, but not necessarily um, you know, rehashing the sermon, it, it's going on a different topic, which is a related topic. So like this week, uh, we were looking at what does it look like when the church conforms to the world? And so we have similar discussions and topics that we do every week. So we'd love it if you'd go into your favorite podcast app, type in Whitefields Community Church. So Whitefields is two words, by the way, not one. So Whitefields Community Church and uh, subscribe to our podcast. And you can listen to all of our sermons and episodes on there as well. All right, let's go to our first caller. We've got Phil in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Phil. Welcome to the program. Uh, hi. Okay, so I had a you. question. Um, uh, uh, my my brother, uh, who is gay, um, sent me this YouTube link, and it was talking about how uh, in, like, 1946, the RSV translation was mistranslated, and the word homosexual was not in there until 1946 and uh this um and basically kind of just saying that it's, it's mistranslated uh actually i heard uh skip Heitzig talk about the, uh 
this today and, and, and it kind of gave, gave me some clarity and actually your producer helped me connect, uh, get to the connectwithskip.com website so I could get that message. Um, so anyway, I was just wanting to get kind of your thoughts and, and then prayer on how to uh, love, love him and, um, and his live-in boyfriend, um, you know, and truth and love and just how to kind of try to reach out to them. I was thinking about maybe even having them listen to that message with me and see what they thought, because he seemed like he did a really good job of the truth with love. Yeah. I haven't heard that message, but if you think it's good, then I think that that would be maybe a good thing to do. I'll tell you what, that um, that whole thing about this word being mistranslated in the Bible, um, that might be kind of true but it's not it doesn't mean that the bible doesn't teach that homosexuality or let's put it this way homosexual practice is a sin right and in fact um, there are six passages in the bible that deal with the topic of homosexuality um, and from those passages and they don't just deal with homosexuality by the way they're 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 verses which deal with human sexuality and um, this is a really big topic and i'll try to um, try to summarize it real briefly for you but I would re refer you to another resource, first of all. The resource that I refer you to is a book. I just read this book a couple weeks ago. It's been out for about five years, but it's, it's the best book I've ever read on the topic. It's called People to be Loved by Preston Sprinkle. So I'll say it one more time for you in case you missed it. It's called People to be Loved, Why Homosexuality is More Than Just an Issue. And the author is Preston Sprinkle, who's a professor of theology and um, Preston Sprinkle has written a couple books. He actually just came out with a new one in early February, actually like just less than two weeks ago, uh, which I have also read since it came out. And that book is called Embodied, Dealing with Transgender Identity Issues. Also very, um, very good. And I see now that the, the Skip Heitzig message, um, we actually air Skip Heitzig's messages here on Grace FM. And he had a sermon called Jesus Loves Homosexuals. I assume that's the one that you're referring to. Yes. Yeah. And that I, I'm assuming just knowing Skip and uh, knowing his teachings that that was probably a very good message and very, you know, kind of contributes to uh, the idea that we want to love fully. We want to embrace love and truth 100% without compromising either. And so... So to answer your question about the idea about uh, this word homosexuality being translated, mistranslated in the Bible, Preston Sprinkle does a really good job in his book there, That's that one called People to be Loved. Um, he deals with this question, and it's really important because there's two Greek words that are used, and they are the word malakoi, and I'm trying to pronounce this one right, okay? It's like arsenokoite. And these two words, um, what they describe is malakoi, in, in some translations, if you look across the spectrum of translations, and by the way, the verse he's referring to is 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, which says that those who, who do this will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, it uses two words to describe um, something, which I'll explain to you in a second. The word malakoi refers to uh, it's sometimes translated as effeminate men, which is also a, a not a very good translation because it's much more than that. So Malakoi referred to men in the ancient world who were 
uh, effeminate. But what that effeminacy meant, literally, it meant that they were the um, the penetrated partner in a homosexual male male on male homosexual relationship. So they were the passive partner, you could say. The other word, arsenic. I'm trying to pronounce this right. Arsenicoyote, that is the active partner in the um, male-on-male homosexual act. And so it is the penetrator. And so what it's saying by using both those words next to each other, it's actually giving us more information than just saying homosexual. Because we have to define what the word homosexual means, don't we? And, and I think this is a good practice for people to say, okay, what is a homosexual? Is a homosexual someone who has homosexual desires, meaning that they're attracted to the other sex, or is a homosexual person who practices those desires? And those are two, two different things, right? Because um, it's one thing to have a tendency or to have a desire, even if it's an unwanted one, right? And so that's where we get the idea that people would say, I didn't choose this, I would never have chosen this, but I'm having these desires and shouldn't I then act upon them because to deny those desires would be to not to deny the essence of my being, the core of my identity. And what we would say as Christians and those who believe the Bible is that based on the Bible, our identity is not defined by the things that we feel drawn to do, right? So I might, I might have uh, several things that I feel inclined to do. I might feel inclined to do good things, and I might feel inclined to do bad things. And so those uh, desires don't define the core of my identity. Rather, my actions are what God is concerned with. Like if you look at Romans chapter 1, you'll notice that there God isn't concerned with temptation to sin uh, as the reason why his judgment is coming towards the world. The reason God's judgment is coming towards the world is because of the actions of people. In other words, acts of rebellion. And so God says, um, I created sexuality to work in a certain way, and when you go against that, that's sin. Now, there are a lot of other things that are sin as well, right? And I mean, I would say that all of us listening, we all sin multiple times every day. And so it depends on the attitude we take towards that. We can either say, I want to live a life of repentance in which I'm seeking to do my best by the power of the Holy Spirit to obey God and do his will. Or I can say, well, I'm going to do what I want. And if the Bible doesn't like it, then I'm then I choose not to believe in or follow the Bible. So all that to say, when your brother is saying that the word homosexual didn't uh, exist in the Bible until uh, 1946, well, that's true, but actually homosexual is a very bad translation of those words anyway, because it doesn't get into the details and the um, the significance of what it's saying. That This is not just talking about people who are, are attracted to those of the, other se- of the same sex. It's talking about people who engage in sexual activity with those of the same sex. And, and actually, if you look into the Greek words there, um, they give more detail than just saying homosexual. Yeah, that's um, that's pretty much what Skip Heitzikin said. So, okay. I mean, uh, without going on to, into the Greek words, he's pretty much said the same thing. Yeah, and I would I would really encourage everyone out there to listen or to read um, Preston Sprinkle's book, People to Be Loved. I have to say, I love the title because that is really 
the heart that we need to approach this with. These are people to be loved, right? And and they they are people with innate human dignity. They're people who, um, you know, again, they shouldn't be defined by attraction that they have. They should be people who are loved and helped in to know that God loves them as well. And um, you know, so to to answer your question, how can you love your brother and how can you communicate that to him? You know, one one of the interesting statistics that Preston Sprinkle shares in his book is he says that 80%, uh, there was a study done of, of actually more than 100,000 people in the United States, people from every, of every one of the 50 states who identify as homosexual. And they were asked about the relationship with Christianity and the church. And there's a crazy statistic that showed that 80% of those who were polled said that they had grown up with some connection to the church, right? Either attending a lot and being very involved or, um, you know, at least going sometimes. And it said from those 80%, um, only 13 of those, or only 13% of those who had left the church said that the reason they left was because of the, the church's stance on homosexuality. Rather, most of them, the great majority, had said that the reason they left was because they were treated in an unloving way by people who were Christian, right? They were made fun of, they were made to feel uncomfortable, made to feel unwelcome. And so they left, and what did they find? Well, they found a whole community of people who were very affirming and very loving and very welcoming. And I think this is where um, Christians sometimes miss the mark, is that in our zeal for the truth, we can become accidental Pharisees. Nobody goes out intending to to become that way. We go out with a desire for truth, right? But in our desire for truth, sometimes we can become unloving. And, and Preston Sprinkle points out, for example, that Jesus, when he meets this woman who's caught in adultery, he says to her, you know, he, he talks to her, and, and then he says at the end, go and sin no more. But he doesn't say, hey, before I can help you, you need to know my position on adultery. Same with Zacchaeus. He doesn't say, hey, Zacchaeus, before I can uh, come to your house, you need to know my opinion on um, tax collecting. Because the fact is that this woman already knew Jesus' stance on adultery, and Zacchaeus knew Jesus' stance on tax collecting. But what Jesus did is that he approached them first by saying, hey, I love you. So I guess my, my all of that to say this, I, I would encourage you to approach your brother and tell him that, hey, no matter what you do in your life, you will always be my brother and I will always love you. And we, you know, I want a relationship with you. Because here's the th it's really hard to influence people if they can tell that you don't love them or like them. So I would encourage you to do that. And I think that uh, you can do that without compromising um, any of your beliefs or values. And then hopefully that will open up doors, you know, where your brother might be willing to discuss with you. And maybe you can share with him either that Skip Heisig message or, or other things that you come across. But maybe I could pray for you before you go. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I don't know if you have, uh, I, I just, I don't know, I'd, I'd say I could tack on another thing, but it's a kind of a, a bigger thing. But um, he, he, I just, part of me really wonders about, he, he goes to a gay affirming church and, and, and so basically he, they, everyone's telling him that he, the way he's living is fine. Mm -hmm. And so part of me wonders if, if he really is saved because 
he and he always he always was. It seemed like he always was as you know growing up and whatever in college and things. But like, but now it just seems like his lord of his life isn't really God anymore. It's kind of his sexuality. And so I just I don't know, honestly I don't know. Maybe I could express that too. I can turn to him in that way. But I mean I I know you don't know what's in his heart, but I guess that's part of what you know. I guess it. That's no, it's a fair question, a really good question, actually, because, um, you know, let's put it this way: Can somebody um, believe in Jesus, and you know, they're sinning, let's say, and they believe in Jesus and they're forgiven? Yes, but but here is the other thing that I would I would really encourage him to know is that in the Bible, right, there are a couple passages which really talk about that the danger of teachers is if they teach people that things are okay when they're not okay, they can actually lead people into destruction unwittingly. And so a good example of this is, is in uh, the book of Jeremiah, where there are these prophets who come and they tell the people, hey, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. God's not upset. And then God tells the prophet Jeremiah, he's like, no, this is, that's what they're saying is not true. I actually am upset about this. And uh, these people are kind of lulling these people with a false sense of, of hope and, and complacency, telling them that everything's fine when in fact things aren't fine. And so to, um, to knowingly sin against God, right? And it, it means that he's not your Lord. You can't say that God is your Lord and be fully submitted to him. And so, I, I mean, I think if, you're, if your brother, it sounds like he at least is wanting to walk with God on some level, I would say, well, then I, I would actually say start with Preston Sprinkle's materials and his book and um, and maybe maybe with Skip Heitzig's message. But then see if he's willing to consider uh, Preston Sprinkle's book, because it's a very loving, empathetic book and um, really good material. And it's written with with homosexual people in mind, you know, that they would be able to read it and consider. So I think for the person who's willing to consider these things with an open mind and uh and, and really consider the, the case for it. I think he makes an excellent case. And he, he deals with a lot of the books that have been written. Like there's a book written a couple of years ago called God and the Gay Christian, which was, um, you know, a lot of people really, it was the whole, it was when the whole thing was coming out that, um, you know, evangelicals, some evangelicals had started affirming homosexuality. And this book was a big influence in that. And so he deals with a lot of the claims that are made in that book in a really good way. And remember, he's a, he's a PhD, you know, professor of theology, so he definitely knows what he's talking about. So that that would be my advice. But I do think that there is a danger there. There's a slippery slope, right? If you say you love God, but you don't do what he's saying, then is he really your Lord? So let's go ahead and pray for you. And we're about to go to our break. Uh, that'll bring us right up to our break. Uh, great questions. And I really care about you and your brothers. So let's pray for you. Lord, I pray for Phil. I pray for him as he seeks to love and minister to his brother. Lord, would you help him to navigate this with 100% love and 100% truth at the same time. Lord, help him to know how he can have those inroads for those conversations. And Lord, give him the right tone of voice. Give him the right words. And we pray that you would work in his brother's heart, that there would be a receptivity to what Phil has to bring to him. And Lord, that you'd just bless that relationship. And Lord, we do pray that not only um, would his soul be saved, Lord, but that he would be saved from the bondage of sin. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Phil, God bless you. Thanks for...
Thanks for calling in. All right, move away. All right, brother. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. That was a little bit longer call than usual, but that means that we've got open lines right now. So go ahead and give us a call. We'll get you on right after our two-minute break, which is coming up right now. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897 for the text line. We'll get back to those calls and texts right after this short break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. I'm your host here every Friday on Calvary Live. The number to call with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Again, the text line is 720-336-0897. We had a question on the front end of the show there, which is asking about homosexuality in the Bible. It's a great question and one that I find to be more and more relevant all the time. Just here at our church the other day, I had a brother who came up to me and just was asking questions about this because he also has a family member um, who is living a homosexual lifestyle, and he had a lot of questions about you know how to talk to him and how to approach him. And, and so if, if there's any of you out there who would like to discuss these issues in greater detail, we can. Or if you have questions about anything related to the Bible or culture and what the Bible has to say about it or your own personal life, love to talk with you let's go to our next caller brian in littleton colorado hi brian welcome to the program uh hello good uh, good afternoon yes i i wanted to ask you if you were familiar with the book uh killing kryptonite by john bevere and and if you had any comments on the book i'm not familiar with it at all oh okay okay uh well, but you probably don't have any comments on on, on it. Uh, it, it. I I express that it that its central thesis was that uh, that repentance and accepting Jesus basically are are two sides of the same coin, and it it, it reminded me of anyway. But your talk with the previous caller uh, or the previous previous caller had reminded me that and his he's. He's basically saying that one of the problems with much of the church is that that we're 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 not telling people that uh, that when they're they're turning toward Jesus, they should also be turning away from their sins. Mm. Well, I of course fully agree with that concept. Again, I haven't read the book, so it's hard for me to comment on it. But I mean, I I completely agree with that. That to turn to Jesus and put your trust in Him 
it, it implies that you're not trusting in other things. And one, one of the things that I often call about or often talk to our, our church about is I'll say, you know, when we talk about this phrase, believe in Jesus, sometimes people are like, what does that mean? Does it mean that I believe that he existed? Does it mean that I believe that the things the Bible says about him are true? I said, well, yeah, it means that, but that's not that's not the extent of what it means to believe in Jesus, right? Because the devil believes that what the Bible says about Jesus is true and believes that he existed. Now, to believe in Jesus is something more. And one good way to summarize it is uh, believing in Jesus is, is, in essence, not putting your trust and your faith in yourself, but putting your trust and your faith in Jesus. Rather than believing in yourself, or uh, as the mantra of the world goes, we believe in Jesus. And what does it mean to believe in yourself? Well, to believe in yourself means you trust in yourself, you trust in your own ability and, you know, have confidence in yourself. And so instead of doing that, we are clinging to and trusting in and relying on Jesus for our salvation and not just for our salvation, but also to sustain us and to lead us rather than trusting in ourselves just for guidance, for justification, for all of those things. And that implies where we have done that in the past, um, we, we turn away from that. So we turn away from trusting in ourselves, but we also turn away from anything else. We turn away from sin, and of course that is an integral aspect of what it means to believe in Jesus. Yeah, and okay. it looks like I see a summary, a summary here of the book. It says that uh, his main argument is that creeping compromise is the kryptonite of the modern church. And I, I would agree with that. Um, I think that sounds like a great thesis. And I see a, a message just came in from somebody else who says that they have read that book and they thought it was good. So, yeah, what, what were your takes on it? Well, so I'm about three-quarters of the way through the book. <laughs> uh, and and, and I, I, I've enjoyed it very much. I, I, I thought it uh, was, was, was really good. And so, yeah. I'm glad uh, to hear I'll it. I'll recommend it to you and... To, to your other listeners, uh, I, I think it's good stuff. Awesome. Well, hopefully there's nothing weird in that last quarter of the book, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hope not. Okay, cool. All right, hey, thanks for your recommendation. God bless you. God bless you. All right, bye. bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. Pastor Nick Katie here from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got two open lines, the number to call, 303 Six nine zero three thousand. That's three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Or and you can also text us seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to Desiree in Thornton, Colorado. Hi, Desiree. Welcome to the program. Desiree, I don't know if Desiree is still here or not, but um, I do see a note from Desiree about what she was asking for prayer for. So it looks like she's dropped, but we can still pray for her prayer request. Desiree says that her niece ran away six months ago. She's 17 years old, and she's praying for her and would like uh, peace for, for her own heart as well. So let's do that. Heavenly Father, we pray for Desiree's niece. Lord, we're so, so sorry to hear that she would be in such a situation where she would feel that the only way out was to run away. Or maybe she was drawn away by other things, the desire for other things. We don't know the situation or the scenario, but Lord, we do pray that you'd be with her niece. We pray that you keep her safe. She says it's so cold right now in Colorado. Lord, we pray that she would have a warm place to sleep tonight and that she would um, be staying warm and healthy 
during this time. Lord, we pray that you keep her safe from uh, predators or from danger of any kind. And Lord, we do pray that you would bring her back to her family and that you'd restore any relationship that is broken there. Lord, we pray that through whatever means you deem necessary, Lord, that you would take hold of Desiree's niece's heart, Lord, that she would be brought into relationship with you, and Lord, that she would find what she's seeking in you uh, fully and completely. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Lord, we also pray for Desiree that her heart, Lord, would be comforted by knowing that you're a sovereign God and that you know exactly where her niece is and that you are more than capable of taking care of her. So Lord, I pray for Desiree, Lord, that you be with her, calm her anxieties, and also for the anxieties and fears of the parents of her niece. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Desiree, thanks for calling in with your prayer request. Well, with that, we have all open lines. You're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Here with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got all open lines, so give us a call. We'll get you right on the air. The number to call with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Again, the text line 720-336-0897. Let's go over to our text line and look at some of the text messages that have come in. Uh, one person texts in and says, Can we pray without saying amen at the end? Well, the answer to that would be yes, we can. Um, the word amen, of course, a Hebrew word, which means your will be done or so be it really is what it means. Um, we can do that. You know, I, uh, I think that it's significant that Jesus uses this word. And we should know that the word itself, what it means when we use it, rather than just saying it as if saying, you know, over and out or like talk to you later. It's not it doesn't mean that it, it's our way of saying when we say amen. We are saying, so be it, according to the will of God. And we remember Jesus, for example, in the Garden of Eden, or sorry, the Garden of Gethsemane. Wow, uh, yeah, the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus says, he's praying, he's praying, Father, if by any means possible, you could let this cup, this cup of suffering, pass from me so that I wouldn't have to go to the cross. If you could accomplish this mission that you sent me here for to save people, without me going to the cross, without me suffering, without me having to go through all of this agony and pain, and not, not just the physical, but of course the spiritual, he says, then please let that happen. Let this cup pass from me. But then he says, but not my will, but your will be done. It's that heart that says, I'm going to ask for things in prayer, and yet I fully submit it to the Lord. That's the heart behind the word, amen. And, um, and I would just encourage you that God wants your prayers to him to be... Uh, from your heart, he wants them to be true, from from a true communication from you to him. And um, therefore, I think it's a good thing to say amen at the end, but I definitely don't think it is a necessary thing that you have to do. Um, so, uh, yeah, the answer is no, you don't have to, but it, it means a wonderful thing. And we encourage you, to, I encourage you very much to pray with that heart and spirit in mind as you pray. Thanks for that question. Let's go to our next text message that came in. Someone says, could you please explain 1 John 3, verse 9, where it says that believers do not sin. Let's go ahead and I'll look that up real quick. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. 
here's the verse that says, No one who is born of God makes a practice of sinning. I'm reading from the ESV, by the way. It says, No one who is born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. This is a question that I've gotten a lot. I've gotten it a lot over the years, not just on this radio show, but from different believers at different times, because they'll read the book of 1 John, and they'll be confused, because it seems to be saying that if I sin, does that mean that I haven't actually been born again, or that I'm not saved? Does it mean that it's the proof that I was never saved to begin with if I sin? But then don't we all sin at different times to varying degrees? Uh, I mean, it's a really disconcerting idea that if you sin, then you're not really saved. And I think that the ESV here is very good. That's the English Standard Version Bible that I'm reading from because I know that other translations of this verse say that no one who is born of God goes on sinning. But using that word practice is really important because I want you to just think about it this way. What are the things that you practice? You practice the guitar. Why? So you can get better at playing the guitar. You practice your golf swing so you can get better at your golf swing. In other words, the things that you practice are the things that you do with intention in order to get better at them. And so it's this idea that if you wake up every morning and your, your thought is, how can I not only sin, but how can I get better at sinning than I was yesterday, right? The person who does that, who practices sin so that they can get better at it, who delights in it, that is a person who's saying has not been born of God. That's the proof that they haven't been born of God is that they they, they aren't repentant of their sin. Rather, they delight in it and they seek to do it even better today than they did it yesterday. And that's really the big difference. I guess I would, I would also put it in this way. You can think about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. says that if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. So that idea of new creation, it's this idea that you, you were one creature, and now you've become another creature, right? You were a caterpillar, and now you've become a butterfly. And caterpillars and butterflies do very different things. And so the idea is, like, think about it this way. You were, let's say, an unclean animal. Let's choose one. Let's call it a pig. I'm not meaning to call anyone out there a pig, so I hope no one's offended. But uh, let's say there's a difference between a pig and a sheep. That's the animal that the Bible tends to use for God's people. All right, so there's a difference between a pig and a sheep in regard to mud. Uh, a pig wakes up every day looking for mud, dreaming about mud, thinking about how uh, they go to bed uh, thinking about, I can't wait till I get up tomorrow so I can go jump in and roll around in the mud. They live for it, whereas a sheep might fall in the mud, but it's not their goal. It's not something they even want to do, and yet it does happen on occasion. And the proof of this, that this is the correct interpretation of this passage, comes from chapter 1, where it says this. Um, he says, in 1 John chapter 1, he says, I am writing to you so that you will not sin. I'm sorry, that's chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you will not sin. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous one, who is the propitiation for our sins. And so, that, who's he writing to? Christian. And he's saying, I'm writing so that you would not sin. But if you do, right? So he's talking to people who, he acknowledges the fact that even though they're Christians, they will go on sinning. And it, the idea there in John 3, verse 9, is that we shouldn't practice sin in the sense of doing it intentionally to get better at it. It 
it's, it's not shouldn't be the goal that we pursue. So thanks for that great question. I hope that that answered it for you. God bless you. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got a lot of text messages coming in right now, and we've got one caller on the line who we'll go to in just a second, but here's the number to call in. The number to call is 303-690-3000 with your Bible questions and your prayer requests. Again, six nine, excuse me, 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Austin in Hudson, Colorado. Hi, Austin. Welcome to the program. Uh, hey, good afternoon. Um, I was wondering if you could explain the parable of the ten virgins mm-hmm. and exactly what Jesus meant. Yeah, so that is found in Matthew chapter 25. And let's uh, give a little context real quick before we get into it. The context of the parable of the ten virgins is that it comes during a passage which is known as the Olivet Discourse. The Olivet Discourse is found in Matthew chapter 24 and chapter 25. Now, what's important to know about the Olivet Discourse is that it deals with things related to the end of the age, but it also deals with things which are in in the future yet to come. So this is what's interesting about it and what causes people a lot of confusion about it. In chapter 4, Jesus is talking about the things that were to come and the end of the age. And so um, that's important. So this took place during what's called Passion Week which is the week that Jesus had come up to Jerusalem. The week began with Palm Sunday when Jesus was welcomed into the city and hailed as the Messiah, as the promised king of Israel, the descendant of David, who was going to establish an eternal kingdom. That happened on Sunday. Then after that, we read that Jesus went into Jerusalem and rather than driving out the Romans, he went into the temple and he turned over the tables. That upset a lot of people. But then Jesus spent that whole week there in Jerusalem, which of course culminated with his crucifixion on Good Friday and his resurrection on Easter Sunday. But what did he do during that week? Well, one of the things he did during the week, it says that he left the temple, chapter 24 of Matthew. He went up onto the Mount of Olives, which is just opposite the old town of Jerusalem. It's probably about a 10-minute walk. It's really not that far from the gates of Jerusalem. And so they go up to the Mount of Olives and it says that Jesus, they're looking over the city of Jerusalem and he begins to talk to them about the things that are to come and the end of the age. So he he goes through all that in chapter 24 and then he tells them two parables in chapter 25. And that the, the reason I give you all that background is to explain to you that you need to understand that in order to understand what Jesus is saying in the parable of the ten virgins. Um, and to make it really simple, without you know, reading the whole parable and going into it. Jesus is answering a question, and the question is this. What does it mean to be ready? What does it mean to be ready? And so let me just read to you a little bit of it. He says, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five were foolish, five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, They all became drowsy and slept. But at night there was a cry, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, Since there will not be enough for all of us, 
Rather, go to the dealers and buy for yourself. And while they were going out to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, uh, watch therefore, for you do not know the day or the hour. Okay, so uh, again, I don't think you can understand this parable in isolation of what comes before it and what comes after it, which is the parable of the talents, which I won't get into in detail. But essentially, the, the parable of the ten virgins says this, be ready for the return of the Lord. Wait for it as if it could happen at any time. You don't want to be caught off guard when it happens. Now, this could get into an issue of what we call the rapture, meaning that Jesus is going to come back at a time when uh, no one is expecting it, when no one is ready for it, right? He doesn't tell us when the day or the hour will be, but he will come and he will gather those to himself who are his. Now, for those who are not ready, they will not be taken up. That doesn't mean that they'll be lost necessarily, right? There's a time during that which is called the tribulation, and during that time, there will be an opportunity for people who did not repent before the tribulation to still repent and be saved. But the point of this parable is it's just a story which tells people, be ready for the coming of the Lord. It could happen at any time. Don't be caught so, off guard. And, and go on. Go ahead. So in the figurative language that the parables usually use, the oil could signify repentance and readiness. So when the day comes, he will welcome you and say, well done and good and faithful servant and not depart from me. Correct? That's right. Yes. Oil generally in the Bible, you know, is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And so I would say that that applies here as well. Um, so, yes, but it, the whole point of it is being ready. Okay. I didn't know exactly for sure. So mm -hmm. thank you. Yeah. And, and I'll just tell you the, the last thing I'll say is that the parable of the talents answers for us the question of what does it mean to be ready? And essentially what Jesus says is that what it means to be ready is it means to be busy about God's work. Okay, sort of like works, but led by the Spirit. Oh, absolutely. But it, it means, you know, in other words, what it means to be ready is not to be sitting around thinking, okay, Lord, I'm really, really ready. You know, what, is it, how do you, what does it mean to be ready for the coming of the Lord? Jesus says what it means to be coming, ready for the coming of the Lord is it means to be actively engaged in God's mission and God's work in the world not just sitting around on our hands waiting for it to happen. Okay. Cool. I got you. God bless you, Austin. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Let's go to our next caller, Ellen, in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Hi, Ellen. Welcome to the program. Hey, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for taking my call. Well, uh, first of all, I have, it's kind of two parts. I do have a question, but I do have a testimony. So let me start with uh, my testimony. Uh, I was born again when I was 21 years old. I was watching Billy Graham on TV and fell to my knees and accepted Christ as my Savior through you know, conviction and lifestyle I was very unhappy with. And I'm 63 now, and all those 42 years as a believer, I attended church. I uh, raised six children, and 
lived a pretty good life in most people's opinion. But I had a lot of brokenness just like from my upbringing, you know, just, you know, issues with my father and all. And I never really understood until nine months ago what it was to have inner healing. Uh, Even though I sat under a lot of good preaching over the years, I never uh, got to a place where I, like, looked so deep in my soul to, to find out what was wrong with me and to be healed until I picked up a book on May 4th, 2020, uh, and the book was called um, uh, A Guide to Inner Healing and uh, Prayer, uh, Meeting God in the Broken Places, written by uh, a guy from Colorado Springs here from the Navigators. Mm-hmm. So in the, I didn't even get past the forward in the book. I was at a place of, uh, it was a day where I was really broken, very convicted from being backslidden for quite a while. And, it, and in the uh, forward of the book, it talks about, um, it brought up, he brought up the one verse. It says uh, in Romans 8, 26, uh, for the Spirit itself helpeth us with our infirmities, for we know not what to, uh, what to pray or how we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for, uh, with us, with groan, for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So that night I spent hours uh, reliving sin, uh, brokenness, abuse, you know, um, not not ter- too terrible, but, you know, enough abuse that, you know, it was I just was living in a broken place. And I had lost a daughter five years ago to, to, due to suicide, so there was a lot of brokenness. And that night I was healed. I was drinking a bottle of wine like every night uh, for the last few years and trying to stop, trying to live for God. But that night that I li- lived out that that uh, particular verse, Romans eight twenty six, uh, God healed me, and I haven't had a drink since then. I haven't, you know, looked for a relationship with a man. I've unfortunately been divorced for a few years, but uh, God completely healed me. So at this point in my life, all I want to do is share my testimony, because when we break our arm, we get a cast. When we uh, get a deep cut, we get stitches. But we do not understand, too many people don't understand that those wounds in our soul that are so deep, until they are healed, we will have the surface uh, things that we live out, drinking, pornography, uh, overeating, anything will come from inward brokenness. But since then, what my question actually was is that I still grieve my sin. Uh, because as a born-again believer, I even lived with a man after my divorce, and I'm very ashamed of my life before May 4th. So I once, you know, every not not every day, but consistently, I'll find myself thinking back to the how I broke my, you know, Lord's heart and was a bad, bad testimony. And so I find myself sobbing at times, and my sister will say to me, like, Ellen, just leave it behind. It's past. Just you're forgiven and just move on. You know, forgetting those things or which are behind. We press on to the mark of the high calling. But I heard somewhere from another in another sermon that there is a place for grieving our sin. And it's like when I lost my daughter, I grieved her death. So I feel like grieving our sin has a place. And I wanted to see what your opinion was about that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there are several verses which actually talk about that. Um, I'll give you a couple. Um, One of them is like in the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 13. It says, Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord, 
Um, another very famous passage, I'm going to have to find it real quick. It's in 2 Corinthians, where he talks about godly repentance versus um, ungodly repentance. So I'm just going to look that up real quick. It's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, and here's what it says. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. So we often use that as a, as a good example of the difference between um, just you know feeling condemned about your past versus feeling godly sorrow, which causes you to repent. Um, the other verse that comes to mind, you know, is in James chapter four, verse seven. I'll read you that. But I would say the difference here is that this seems to be really, um, really aimed at someone who has not yet confessed their sins to God. So, so I'll give you. Uh, here's what it says. Uh, actually, starting in verse eight. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So I'd say that's probably the best passage that I can think of. Um, And the idea here is just that, um, yes, weep over your sin, mourn it. But the other part is that you can't stay there forever. And I think that's where... Uh, your your sister is right. And I would just encourage you, find that balance between mourning your sin and yet receiving the new life and forgiveness that God wants you to walk in. I have to let you go because we've come to the end of our show. Uh, God bless you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your calls and texts, including the ones that we didn't get to today. Hopefully we'll get to them next time around. I'll be with you next Friday. Until then, have a great evening. Have a great weekend and a Valentine's Day. God bless you. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.